test. From their very inception, comic books have existed as a cheaply printed material meant to separate small children from their pocket change. This began diverging around uh, the early 1960s when comics fandom started getting progressively older and people who grew up reading comics started becoming professionals, most notably Roy Thomas, but also Gary Friedrich, Chris Claremont, so on and so forth. From then on out, there arose a degree of self-conscious fanboy who wanted their uh, superhero adventures from childhood to sort of grow up along with them. This peaked with very self-serious uh, deconstructions of the superhero genre, like uh, Watchmen of the Dark Knight Returns, uh, that were very much not appropriate for children. And... It began contributing sort of to this grim and gritty uh, comics aren't for kids anymore movement that also coalesced with a degree of resentment against the superheroes' roots. A lot of people were embarrassed about, you know, superheroes being silly, particularly the Adam West incarnation of Batman. A modern version of this is possibly the animated show Teen Titans Go, which by all accounts is a very popular program. However, under certain echo chambers on the internet, it is the devil. For this episode, I'm going to examine Teen Titans Go to the Movies and just get into how this particular incarnation of the franchise creates such a degree of hate among certain types of comic fans and what it says about that in a very self-reflective manner, particularly in this film. My name is Ryan, and this is a real deep dive. Okay, this is the first episode where I have two guests. Toby is rejoining me from his Spider-Verse episode. Say hello, Toby. Hello. Yeah, not too bad. We can sort of figure that. Hello. Better. And also his mother, Sarah. Hi, guys. I took you to see this film in theaters, Toby. Uh, we were a little concerned because, you know, I think you were like seven or eight at the time, and um, we didn't know if your attention span could hold out throughout. We, we, we tried to take you to see Inside Out, but you were way too young for that. Uh, I was just like, you know what, this is less than 90 minutes long, and it's filled with fart jokes. I, I think you can manage it. You seem to have a good time. I saw uh, we, we saw it with Auntie Ro. Yeah, I was uh, in Ohio for a friend's wedding, and when I talked to him on the phone after after he went and saw the movie with you, all he could talk about was Slade. Slade. And how funny the fart jokes were. Yeah, uh, this gives me an opportunity to dovetail into the film's plot. Uh, it opens with the Teen Titans' home base in Jump City being uh, invaded by Balloon Man. Uh, he starts robbing a bank because giant balloon monsters need money too. And the Teen Titans uh, attack him. And basically the tone is set where when Beast Boy just turns into a porcupine and launches his quills at um, Balloon Man's butt and it creates a big <laughs> fart noise. And the movie just stops and just, just relishes the fart for a couple of seconds. This is all also the moment where the, where the Teen Titans begin uh, rapping about their names and their abilities, and I never realized I needed to hear Raven just 
bust some sick rhymes about how her eldritch dark powers make her more gangster than me, but I mean, I'm glad that it exists in the world. Now, uh, the Teen Titans are so distracted by their uh, by their rap song, the Balloon Man just sort of walks off and starts demolishing things until the Justice League shows up and, and stops him. Afterwards, the Justice League admonishes the Teen Titans for being a joke, and uh, they point out that they don't have a movie, and all real superheroes have a movie these days. This leads the Titans to sneak into the Batman movie premiere, and uh, it is directed by Jade Wilson, uh, who is in charge of just every superhero movie. Things go south when a series of trailers go on and lead Robin to believe that there's going to be a movie made about him, which leads all the other superheroes to just derisively mock him. This leads the uh, other Titans to try to console Robin by telling him that they'll be taken seriously as a super team if they acquire an arch nemesis. This conveniently uh, results in a burglar alarm that the Titans answer as uh, a mega science magic crystal is being stolen by Slade. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I, I promised him that uh, he uh, he could do Slade a couple of times, but not not too much because it would derail things too much. Well, there's there's a joke in the movie about how every every superhero has the arch nemesis that you know, say their name really dramatically. You know, you know, Batman has the Joker, and who do they use for the Green Lantern? Uh, Sinestro, right? Sinestro. Yeah. And then they get to the Flash, and they do the Rainbow Raider. He rides upon the rainbow. So, once they, you know, meet Slade, they have to do the dramatic Slade. And aside from farts, it's Toby's favorite part. <laughs> Slade is able to get away with his heist, both by mocking the Teen Titans, but also using his superpowers of mind manipulation. Uh, in the comics, Slade has some kind of subliminal sort of psychic abilities, but in this film, he just, like, does the wobbly pencil trick, and they're just paralyzed with fear, because they don't know how he did it. Yeah, I was gonna ask you about that. Like, does he have, like, abilities in the comics? I don't remember running, but I haven't read much with Slade in them. I've read more with his daughter, so... Yeah, I'm, I'm not the I'm not the biggest Titan scholar. That would be, that would be Hedley Sylvan, but I believe, uh, I believe Slade, or Deathstroke, as he's often called, has some kind of psychic ability that he can jerk around people's minds. What? Sylvan's doing the little hand-wavy sorta. <laughs> Okay, alright. Yeah, that, that whole, like, pseudo-scientific thing about how most people only use 10% of their brains. Slade's different. He can use his whole brain. That makes him an above-average human. Gotcha. Okay, uh, so Slade gets away, and Robin is super bummed out. He has a he has a nightmare sequence that reenacts the Lion King. Beast Boy, Starfire, Raven, and Cyborg try to cheer Robin up with a homemade film, but uh, he turns it off prematurely and decides that he's going to head to Hollywood to beg Jade Wilson to make a Teen Titans film. This coexists with the uh, upbeat, inspirational song about life, which I'd say is the best song in the film. This is a musical, by the way. Upbeat, upbeat, you know you're feeling... It's by Michael Bolton, so it's very catchy. Okay, uh, they break into this, uh, the Warner Brothers studio and approach Jade Wilson, but she turns them down, claiming that she'd only make a Teen Titans film if there are no other superheroes. This leads the Titans to travel back in time and undo all the superhero origins, which is one of the nicest sequences in the film. I thought it was quite funny the whole way through. They naturally return to a world ravaged by supervillains. You know, Joker and Harley are bombing everything. Sinestro's using his yellow magic power ring to devastate people. Lex Luthor is just running around and shaving people's heads. It's awful. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, they go back and set things right, and the next important scene is them approaching Slade as he tries to steal another crystal. This time, however, the Titans thwart him, take the crystal, and return it to their vault, uh, which is very secure. Slade escapes, realizes that he underestimated the Titans, and that the best way to undermine them is to pit Robin against the rest. The Titans are uh, then immediately get a call from Jay Wilson saying that after their epic fight with Slade, she'd be happy to make a Titans film. Uh, they appear on set and immediately begin trashing the place. There's a very long sequence where all the Titans except Robin poop in the prop toilet. That was an exasperated sigh from Sarah. <laughs> Because even Raven's like, hey guys, I'm trying to poop in this prop toilet with no plumbing in it. Toby thought it was funny. Nine-year-old love poop humor. I guess. Uh, we know, because you keep laughing whenever we bring up the poop jokes. Don't blame me! I do blame you. If you didn't laugh at all the poop jokes, they wouldn't keep telling the poop jokes, would they? Wait, my stepsister. All right. Anyways, the other Titans just wander off, start pranking the other superheroes, and raid the craft services table. And then they stumble across something that is ominously labeled Doomsday Device. Anyways, they're about to trash it where, uh, when Jade intervenes and claims that the Doomsday device is actually a streaming surface that will allow superhero media to just saturate the world because it hasn't done that yet. Yeah, she uh, resolves to drop the Titans from the film and make it a solo Robin feature. Robin readily agrees, with, which breaks the hearts of his teammates. Now, at this point, Jade tricks Robin into uh, retrieving the crystal from the Titans' fortress. She uh, makes him think that's actually part of the movie. And then she reveals that she's actually slayed in disguise and was the whole time. Yes. The superhero movies were a ruse to keep the good guys busy while uh, Slade just ran around stealing stuff for the Doomsday device which is actually a mind-control device that uses streaming superhero movies to enslave the world and put everyone under a hypnotic trance. Slade then blows up Titan's tower, but uh, Robin manages to escape, and he reconnects with his estranged team, who instantly forgive him. Now, at the Robin movie premiere, the uh, Titans unmask Slade in front of all the other superheroes. However, it's too late. The Doomsday device is active, and Slade manages to enslave the whole world, including every other adult superhero, who he then sicks on the Titans. Now, Raven ports them uh, in into a parallel dimension, uh, but while she's doing that, Slade takes over Robin's mind. The Titans struggle to fight Robin, but they eventually break the spell when they show him the rest of their homemade Robin movie, which demonstrates how much they love him. Slade attacks the Titans with a giant robot, but they reprise their bomb-ass rap song and, able to and destroy the robot. The other heroes are then freed from Slade's trance, and uh, Robin has learned self-confidence without getting his own movie, which is uh, apparently the thematic point that it's trying to make. Also, that you should ask your parents where babies come from on the ride home. Afterwards, there's a mid-credits scene where the Titans from the 2003 cartoon, which Sarah greatly prefers, insinuate that they're going to have a crossover with, with the Teen Titans Go incarnations of the characters. And that's the film. Okay, so before we go any further... Once again, just like in Spider-Verse, the important question is, uh, Toby, who is your favorite Titan? Cyborg. It, it was Cyborg two years ago, but yeah, I'm not sure. Hasn't changed. Yeah, as I, I know that Beast Boy is the fan favorite. I'm, I'm a Raven fan myself, but 
I mean, that's Ra not surprising. Yeah, yeah. Raven's also my favorite. That shocks no one. Raven's uh, a angsty early two thousands goth chick. Nobody is surprised that Raven is my favorite Titan. What? What? Why is Cyborg your favorite Titan, Toby? Because well, it's because that he attacks with meatballs, and he is basically a robot that is armed with guns. Just like. <laughs> Every single time he meets. Oh, I'm guessing his favorite X Man is going to be Cable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just piles of guns, mm -hmm. guns everywhere. Or, well, he might like Extreme with all the cargo pockets. <laughs> oh, but he doesn't have guns. He just has explosive blood. Right, right. Sorry, <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> Not enough guns. No, no, we're kidding. His favorite X Man is going to be Deadpool. We all know that's going to happen at the very instant that he's age appropriate for Deadpool. Oh yeah. All right, uh, let's get into the cast. Scott Menville is Robin, uh, Greg Seitz is uh, Beast Boy, uh, Carrie Payton is Cyborg, and Tara Strong is Raven. They've been voicing these characters for almost 20 years now. Yep. Yeah, uh, I'm only really familiar with Tara Strong because she's just basically like... Everyone? Every, yeah, every, every third female character from my childhood until now. Yep. Yep. And I, I can sort of see why Sipes is like the fan favorite among small children and a lot of the parents because he, he his goofy version of Beast Boy is I mean it's it's not my thing, but I can I can see how it works for other people. Yeah, I get it. I, I mean don't yeah. like it, but I get it. I mean when, when he says that that burrito is his soulmate, I mean I've definitely been there. Yeah. You know, uh Hyden Walsh is Starfire. I mean, I I am still mystified that the version of Starfire in the comics is not just this version of the character because it has more dimension. It's so much better than any version in the comics that I've come across ever. I mean, the the Teen Titans show from like 2003 and Teen Titans Go, those are like those have given the character far more exposure than any other iteration and I'm I I, I don't know why the tail isn't wagging the dog. I mean, I sort of get why the uh, Brave and the Bold uh, Aquaman that voiced by John DiMaggio isn't just Aquaman from here on out, even though I'd be totally cool with that, because there have been other versions of Aquaman that have been prominent. But that's our first and only Starfire. That should just be Starfire now. Yeah. But uh, getting to the, the people for this movie, I don't think that Slade is usually a particularly interesting supervillain, so it's not much of a contest, but I think Will Arnett's voice acting as Slade is like the best version of the character. It's so funny for me, because Will Arnett even though he doesn't really change his voice much between the characters, there's just something different that he brings to each one. And so, like, my anchor role for him is Job. Oh, yeah, mine too. Uh, for a lot of people, it's Bojack Horseman. But, you know, even though Job, Bojack, Lego Batman, Slade, they all have the same voice, right? But the characters are different. I mean, his Lego Batman is kind of a piss take on, like, the, the Christopher Nolan, I am the knight. Like, he does that. When he does Slade, he just, like, he uses the roof of his mouth and just overextends all his vowels to make everything, like, super pointedly overdramatic, even when he's talking about how his cardio is so much better than Robin's. Yeah, when, and you can kind of, you can kind of just picture him in the recording studio, like, running in place and saying, knees up, knees up, knees up. Yeah. Like, just, he probably did. Yeah, uh, then there's Kristen Bell as uh, Jade Wilson. I was assuming that she was going to be Ravager, like Slade's daughter in the that comics. that would have made more sense. Yeah, except, you know, it turns out that she's Slade in a, in a lady director suit. It, <laughs> Kristen 
Bell is delightful and I adore her and everything I've ever seen her in. And so it didn't bother me at all that she was the voice and, you know, she did a great job. I just think they could have given her more, made her her own character. She could have played the Ravager and it would have been fine. I don't know, that bit where they pull the mask off and it's just like Slade's head on top of Jade Wilson's body. I mean, it's it's a cheap laugh, but there are cheaper laughs in this. Uh, yeah, it's a kid's movie. It's made for nine-year-olds. They're going to be cheap laughs. Oh, and uh, most notably, Nicolas Cage finally gets to be Superman. Yeah, yeah. Whenever he does an animated film, he's not terribly unhinged in this. He's actually kind of a straight man. Yeah. Although, uh, weirdly enough, apparently during that uh, that flashback scene where Thomas and Martha Wayne are like about to go into Crime Alley, the uh, the like the eight-year-old Bruce Wayne in that is Nicolas Cage's son, whom he has named Cal El. Oh, that's so sweet. No, no, that kid's name is actually Kal-El. His, wait, okay, well, I mean, it's sweet that he's in the movie, but he named his kid Kal-El? Yeah, Nicolas Cage is a big Superman fan, but I mean... Kal-El Cage? That poor kid. Yeah, he could have named him Clark. Clark Cage. There's no way to win. <laughs> I like the name Clark Cage. Tell you what, we'll change your name to Clark Cage, and everyone will call you that, and we won't even, we, we'll pretend that Toby never happened. No. Uh, if you're cool. Oh, you, oh you, you're not cool with that. No. I like it. That I, name is Clark Cage. I suppose I can't make fun of somebody for naming their kid after a comic book character, because my child is named after an Animorphs character, so, and that's a book series that isn't even popular anymore. Yeah, T- Toby, you're the you're the hawk boy from Animorphs. Otherwise called Tobias. Mm-hmm. I for a second I thought you named him after the baby in Labyrinth. No, nope. You said I was named after a boy. Yep. Yeah. I'm very happy. He gets stuck as a hawk. I think Lilith was named after. Him. I forget what she was named after. Yeah. Lilith was named after the first woman. Yes. Well, in, yeah, yeah, in in the non-canonical Judaic folklore. Okay, let's uh, let's go on to the themes of the film. Now, um, I've read a number of reviews of this movie. Almost all of them say that this is Deadpool for kids. This is sort of baby's first uh, metafictional burlesque of superhero tropes. I don't know, Toby, was this the first superhero movie you saw that made fun of superheroes in sort of winking affectionate manner? I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, because you know they were doing the superhero landing, and there's a there's a Stan Lee cameo, and then and then people fart. Yeah, well, I mean they talk to the screen a lot. You know, there's a joke about turning their phones off and then staring at the audience. One of Slade's first lines is, "Yeah, uh, the superheroes aren't going to stop me because they're at a movie premiere, and as considerate people, they're going to silence their mobile devices." Looks at camera, unlike some of you. And then immediately goes into a, a bit where they make fun of uh, Slade for looking a lot like Deadpool. And then Slade very defensively going, I came first. People should say that, uh, that, that, that he's copying me because he is. Which, you know, he is, but people like Deadpool better because Deadpool is objectively a better character. So, oh well. Sorry, Slade. Yeah, this isn't exactly like doing to superhero movies like, say, Blazing Saddles did for Westerns. It's 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 not like trying to be that, that transgressive. Uh, I mean, Deadpool isn't trying to be that transgressive. So it's just it's just having goofy fun with it for the most part. Uh, perfectly acceptable for your random eight-year-old Toby laugh throughout. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I did laugh throughout, and I was very happy I did because it was one of the funniest movies I have ever 
I mean, this kid's seen like 12 movies, so take that with a grain of salt. I have not. No, actually, he has not seen only 12 movies because we watched the entirety of the MCU in one month to get him ready for Endgame. So that's what? How many movies? 22? Something like that. Yeah. So we watched 22 movies in a little over uh, a month and a half. Yeah, we're raising him right. Good job. Another thematic thing is that this film is very self-conscious about the legions of internet hate mobs that exist for this show that are completely invisible in any other facet that matters. Like, they're just constantly poking fun of these people who just rage hate them. Uh, I'm not sure entirely where it comes from. Some people have said uh, before Teen Titans Go, there was a show called Young Justice that was a bit more of a YA take on the characters. It was more for, like, 12 to 13-year-olds, and Teen Titans Go is more for the uh, 5 to 9 crowd. And the idea was that Young Justice was canceled to replace it with Teen Titans Go. There's even a nod in the film, like the uh, Homemade Robin film was a Young Justice Season 3 that was crossed out and then written in yep that, that was kind of mean and you know what i remember the injustice show um i think it was streaming on netflix for a while too you could watch it um i really liked it um i don't know why it got canceled and they brought it back there was a season three yeah it was fun i enjoyed it because now warner brothers yeah under the impression i was like oh you can have like two different versions of the same franchise and just people are okay with it because superheroes are everywhere but uh, yeah, it's it's it is the sort of lays throughout, you know, the um, the idea that nobody's taking the Teen Titans seriously, and that Robin's getting really self conscious about it, and he doesn't want to be seen as a joke, even though the entire premise of Teen Titans Go is to just throw waffles at the bad guy until he cries and runs away. Yeah, they're it's they're just not my Titans, but I understand my kids like them. Yeah, I, even though I, I, I did think this movie was really funny going in, I haven't, like, sat down and, like, binge-watched the entirety of Teen Titans Go. I, I saw a couple of them, and I thought they were all right. It's just, you know... They're all 15 minutes long. They're all pretty. They're all pretty simple. Maybe wonder like, can can they stretch this out to 90 minutes and make it work? And they kind of did. Uh, I think you had something you wanted to add, Toby. Really, because you were like primed to speak, and then I then I then, then I cut you off, and I'm sorry. So please, please say your thing. I don't need to say a thing anymore. <laughs> I ruined it. How dare you? How dare you? How dare you? Okay, okay, you get one more. All right, uh, and uh, one other thing we should bring up. Uh, I mean, we've been seeding this throughout, but not a big fan of the poop jokes, are you? I'm just tired of them. I live with a nine-year-old, so... Yeah, there were like four different sets of extended poop gags. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you just get, you get tired of them. Although this movie did do a good job of throwing in stuff for the parents, too. Any parent who actually likes superheroes and has any kind of background knowledge about the DC universe, very, very quickly knew who was the villain and what was going on. They saw a lot of the twists and turns coming, um, but it was still fun. Um, also, the movie posters. Oh, yes, yes, the, the dinosaur western called Jonah Rex. I thought that was delightful. Yeah, they were really fun. So, you know, they did throw in enough for the parents to like them, but I, I could have used less poop and fart jokes, but I'm tired of poop and fart jokes. They throw enough gags for the geeky old heads. Like, there's a running gag involving the challenges of the unknown that sort of works, even if you don't know who the characters are, which is probably most people. Yeah, I had no idea who they were until we talked about it right before we started recording. Alright, now uh, let's get into the music, because this is a musical. As I said, I thought that the best song in this was the upbeat, inspirational song about life, which is 
out of all the various things that Michael Bolton did after uh, the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean song with this lonely island made him sort of like an ironic uh, internet hipster hero for a couple of minutes, uh, this is the one that just like is the is the biggest earworm for me. Yep. And the fact that he's just like a white Siberian tiger and the whole sequence looks like it was ripped out of like a Lisa Frank Trapper Keeper. I would have liked it even if it didn't end with that really severe gag where they just hit them with their car and then speed off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it gets stuck in your head. We listened to it in the car for like six months after you guys took Toby to see it in theaters. Upbeat, yeah. upbeat. What was your favorite song in the movie, Toby? Is it uh, is it the upbeat inspirational song about life? Is it Robin's movie, movie, his superhero movie? <laughs> it's, it's the Robin. I thought the Robin song was fun, and I know that usually this version of Robin is supposed to be a composite of all the various ones, but his obsession with rendering his butt in 3D is a very Dick Grayson thing. Yeah, and they they make a point to talk about his his past of being trained by acrobats, like his acrobatic family, so... And I know that could either be uh, Dick or Jason, but when yeah. you combine it with the butt stuff. It's a composite of, like, Dick, Jason, and Tim. Not so much the Stephanie Brown or Duke. I don't see any Duke in there. My movie. My movie. My superhero movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was your favorite song, Sarah? The, the upbeat song about life, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's what I thought. I mean, you, Michael Bolton with cheesy 80s music in the background, and it's a, a, a Lisa Frank Trapper Keeper. On screen, yeah, and there's the, 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 there's a unicorn playing synthesizer it's and the, delightful, uh, and and our walls on guitar, and, and there's rainbows everywhere, and it's very bright and colorful and neon. It's it's delight. Mom listened to a lot of Michael Bolton when we were kids. She uh, had the greatest hits. That means I just sort of have a nostalgic fondness for his voice, even though I would never go out of my way to listen to him ever. Like, his version of Sitting on the Dock of the Bay, like, it's just, it's both overblown and completely blown away by the Otis Writing original, but I, if I would accidentally hear that in a mall, it would make me think of my mom, and that would make me happy, and I kind of resent Michael Bolton for that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I vividly remember us hiding the CD that she wouldn't play it anymore. Yeah, because when, whenever mom got into something, she would just never stop. Oh, Luther Vandross. <laughs> Not even good Luther Vandross. Getting away from that divergent, uh, this film did get a decent reception. Uh, it only made $52 million at the box office, but it was made for only $10 million, which is, I mean, you can tell how cheap this movie was. It's basically a modern Rocky and Bullwinkle cartoon. Yeah. But, you know, it works for what it is. And uh, it got a, a sequel. The uh, fifth season of uh, Teen Titans Go, uh, in the middle of it, has an episode where the Titans have to deal with, with their fortress getting blown up by Slade in the movie. And also, there was a Teen Titans Go versus the 2003 Teen Titans, which I got Toby that movie for Christmas, and he still hasn't watched it yet. Nope, it's not even open. Yeah. I'm going to watch it. And those are the versions of the Titans that you like. Yes. I have to I have to be fair with this though. I haven't watched that show since it was on air, which was when I was in middle school. I mean, I saw a couple episodes recently. I think it's held up. Has it? Okay. Because I, I enjoyed those versions, but I was also the target audience. I mean, it was never super my thing. I could tell that it was well made, but it, it didn't hit my particular pleasure button. But um George Perez isn't in the greatest of health, but uh, he gets royalty checks whenever Starfire, Cyborg, or Raven are used and stuff. So, hey, got that. Nice Yay. check for George Perez. He deserves it. 
Okay, and uh, that covers most of the things I wanted to talk about with this film. Do uh, any of you have anything to add? I, I, I said you can do one more, Slade. Go ahead. Slade! Okay, good night, everybody. Bye! Bye!